0: Well, good morning, everyone. We're going to meet some of the women in our congregation um, during this part of our service. Um, And one of the Bible stories that I like best in the New Testament is the one about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Because there we meet two different personalities. We meet Martha, who's ever so busy and practical, and we meet Mary, who's much more thoughtful and reflective. And in the midst of that, there's their brother Lazarus. And Jesus loved each of them and had a special, really unique relationship with each one of them. And for me, that's what this is all about. I turned on the radio Um, this morning coming to church six minutes if the traffic lights are right from my house to here maybe you want to pray before you hit the road at the same time as me and they were talking about International Women's Day and about sexism and the need to get rid of sexism and maybe in some areas yes women are still underrepresented and that's relevant but for us in church because God loves each of us equally and we're all special that is just such a privilege that we can share together the fact that we've got different gifts and different talents and different approaches just enriches the church family or the body of Christ that we are together So that's very much our heart for this service. It's not to put the women up here and to make a particular point that perhaps we haven't shouted loudly about in the past. So the first person that's going to come and join me, and please give her a big round of applause, is Carol. Hello. Hi. How are your legs? Are they all right? Not knocking too much? Okay. Good. Okay. So, tell us just a little bit about yourself, about your family, and what you do in the rest of the week when we don't see you at church.
1: Okay, um, my name is Carol. I was born in Zimbabwe. I'm married to James. He's James, somewhere. Can
0: you <laughs> James is late, not good, right? Like, <laughs> one minute <laughs> for the woman, anyway.
1: Okay, um, we've got two kids, B and. Joshua, um, I work for a travel management company in Shenstone in their accounts department. Okay,
0: and you're up here today, really representing the fact that our church is amazing and that it's so um, global, with so many nations represented. Um, tell us a little bit about what life was like in Zimbabwe before you came to the UK, and particularly what church was like.
1: Okay. Um, The church in Zimbabwe was founded by missionaries who came from the UK and America. So they built schools and hospitals which are still operating at the present moment. So you find um, a lot of Zimbabweans are Christians and and um, a big part of the Zimbabwean culture is Christian-based. And because what is happening now in Zimbabwe, um, because of the economic um, hardship, a lot of people depend on God for their daily sustenance. So the church in Zimbabwe is growing. Thank you.
0: Now we're going to have Jane join us as well. Um, And... You will work out a little bit of a link a little bit later on, um, but you've been up here on a number of occasions before, uh, so very briefly, just tell us a little bit about uh, your family and what you do when you're not at church.
2: Yeah, my family are over there. <laughs> my beautiful mum and beautiful and daft dad. Um, I'm from dostill I was born in Burton-on-Trent, as that used to be the hospital for here. And when I'm not at um, home, I work at the University of Warwick as a university teacher.
0: Thank you. Right, so Carol, back to you. Tell us a little bit about what your faith means to you. A little bit about how you can show that in all the activities that you're involved in.
1: Um, My faith is summed up in a song by Tim Hughes called Everything. Well, we, we used to sing it in this church, but it has been a while since we sang it. I'm not going to sing it, but I'll just... <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to tell you the lyrics. They say, God in my living, God in my breathing, God in my working, God in my walking, God in my healing, God in my hurting, Christ in me, the hope of glory... God in everything, that sums up my faith. Um, at, in my workplace, they know that I'm a Christian, but at first it was a bit challenging um, just talking to people about God because where I come from, just as you guys talk about the weather, that's how open we are talking about our faith, but in my workplace... Um, I think it was easier to show God's love in practical ways when someone is going through stuff, sending a card and telling them I'm praying for them. Uh, But I'll I'll tell you one story. There's this lady, um, she said, you can talk to me about anything else, but don't talk to me about God. So at first I said, oh, that was a bit strange, but I, I had to pray and I said, okay, don't take it personal. So I just kept Praying for her over some years. Then at the end of um, 2017, her husband passed away. And a day later, my dad passed away. So when I got back to Zimbabwe after a few weeks and I walked into the into my workplace, she was the first person who came to me. We hugged and we cried. And it just opened an opportunity for me to tell her about God. And even up to now, She doesn't work there, but we are still friends and we are still texting. (coughs) That's lovely.
0: God is at work through the littlest things sometimes. Now, Jane, you told us that you worked at a university, and universities tend to be quite international um, by nature of the staff and the students that they attract. So do you want to maybe tell us a little bit about what your faith means to you?
2: Uh, I came a Christian about seven, seven and a half years ago. Um, I won't go over my testimony, short of saying that suddenly my whole world changed. Everything completely changed. From being really horrible and really low to being fantastic. (laughs) And I wanted to tell the world and did and still do. So I worked at the time at Aston University, which is in Birmingham, um, which has a 70% population of Muslims, Muslim students. Um, And so I decided that I would tell each and every student that I was a Christian. So I did. And I put fish everywhere. Those that didn't know what fish meant, I had crosses. I told all the meetings. I told everybody. In fact, I expected to get sacked. (laughs) But it didn't happen. God was looking after me. And then... Um, I think the best way to illustrate how my faith works at work is one of my Muslim PhD students, who who you have a special relationship with your PhD students because you're with them for four years, whilst they become a doctor, essentially. And I was supervising her, and she had a miscarriage. Now this is a lady who was completely covered, very, very um, strict, sheer Muslim, and she'd lost her baby because her husband had assaulted her. And she'd lost faith in God. And um, she came to me in pieces, and we prayed together. And I think that's the most moving thing, that as a Christian, it doesn't matter what anybody else is. When you're working in an international context, as I am now with mainly Chinese students, they will ask me to pray for them. So I will never stop telling people that I love Jesus, and more importantly, Jesus loves me. Because when they need Jesus, people will come. And you can pray for them even if they don't ask. You, know, you don't have to tell them you're praying for them, as I pray for all of my students because they need it. <laughs> but the, the, this particular Muslim young lady who has now finished her doctorate, she's passed, she's gone back to Malaysia, um, and she found the strength and the courage to leave her husband and to set up on her own, which is not done in that society. But it's really, really important, I think, that as Christians we treat everyone as children of God, because that's, that's exactly what we are.
0: Thank you so much. That's so encouraging, isn't it? And prayer is the most powerful weapon that each of us have. And Amy's going to bring some of the young people now, and they're going to lead us in a time of prayer.
3: Yep, so this week I sort of spoke to the girls and asked them to consider who's made an impact in their lives, um, international You don't have to run away, (laughs) come nearer, (laughs) Um, just to consider who has impacted them in their lives, who supported them with their faith, and as a result of that, they've put together some prayers that they would like to share with you, so I'd just ask you if you would
4: stand with them, um, and we'll pray together.
2: Okay. Dear God, I just want to thank you for everyone you have put in my life. There are so many great people in my life there. They have helped me through so much and have always supported me and my family. I just want to thank you, thank all all you amazing people in my life who will do whatever it takes to make me and everyone else feel comfortable. I love everyone in my life because they all care and support me. For instance, the leaders at youth have supported me through a lot of things and when I was in the younger group, all the leaders helped me. So many leaders at this church worked so hard to make other, others happy and I just want to thank everyone in my family as well because they've all had my back since day one and I just want to say thank you to all the women in my life and everyone else's. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, I just want to say thank you that we can gather here every Sunday to worship you and that we have the freedom to do so i would also like to thank you for international Women's day where we can remember all of the women that work hard for us every day and as they face difficulties they can be reminded that you are there for them i would like to thank you for our incredible church family including leaders and workers who help us get a better understanding of you amen
5: dear lord First of all, thank you for all the ladies in this church. Thank you for those who take care of us and help guide us along the right path in life. Thank you for those who encourage us to believe in God and to pray to him. Thank you for all the teachers and youth leaders that are always preparing for our lessons and group events. Thank you for all the women in the world who have made a difference and changed the world for the better. Thank you for those who stood up for what they believed in. Thank you for all the women in the emergency services who look after others. And finally, thank you for all the mums who take care of their children. Amen. Amen.
2: Dear Lord, thank you for giving strength to the woman who came before me. So for every step I take is for the women that will come behind me. And that all the women in the world have strength, courage, love. And thank you for all the hard-working ladies. Amen. Thank you guys. That was
3: brilliant. Can we just give them a bit of support? That was hard to come up (laughs) here. Thanks for that girls. I think it's really special that as a whole
0: church family we can spend time praying for each other. So thanks for that girls. Uh, We want to shift the focus now a little bit onto our church ministries. So Judith and Linda are going to come and join me. We were singing about um, never letting go and some of our ministries are particularly helpful in in helping other people hold on and journeying with them and building relationships with them that really helps people through some of the storms in life and some of the most difficult times and situations that they might be in. So, hello, nice to see you. Um, Maybe Linda, you first. You could tell us first perhaps just a little bit about um, yourself your family and you're retired now, but perhaps what you used to do before you left work? Okay. Wow.
3: Well, <laughs> hi, I'm Linda. Yeah, as um, you've just Fiona's just said. Um, yeah, I'm very happily married to a wonderful man sitting there, Robert. Who's my husband, <laughs> who excitingly has recently come to faith. Yay! Yeah. So. That's amazing. Um, and I've got two amazing sons and two amazing daughter-in-laws, um, one set of which live in Australia, Melbourne, and the others live in Lim, um, near Manchester. Um, yes, I am retired now, although you... Um, sorry,
0: I don't mean to write the script, but Stephen as well.
3: Oh, and Stephen... <laughs> oh, how could I forget Stephen? Oh, my goodness. And, and I have... An absolutely amazing son, Stephen too, who would be with us t- t- today, but he's actually had a night out last night and he's, he's suffering a little bit, so he's, stay- <laughs> he's tired, tired, um, so he's, he stayed at home because we've got an afternoon out this afternoon, um, but uh, yeah, he's incredible and Lord, I'm so sorry I forgot him, oh. And he's so precious to us as well. Um, But yeah, I am retired now, but you wouldn't believe so because I'm so busy, I don't know how I had time to work. But yeah, I'm retired now, but I used to uh, run a nursery class. I worked in Foundation Stage and ran a nursery class in a local school for a number of years. And then when I retired, I couldn't sit at home and do nothing. And Stephen, who I spoke about, has learning disabilities, he has special needs. So I got an interest in that, and I went to work as a support worker uh, at a local residential home for adults with a learning disability.
0: Thank you very much. Judith, uh, do you want to tell us just a little bit about yourself and your family?
5: Hello, everyone. I'm Judith, and I'm married to the wonderful Bob over there. <laughs> And I've got two wonderful adult children now, Laura and James. Um, And I've got the privilege of working alongside an absolutely wonderful team of volunteers in the coffee shop, in the Manor House. Um, They are amazing, the volunteers. They support me, but they're there and they serve the community with such love and they give of their time and energy and it's just amazing because they they are so willing um, and give so much to serve the community we not only serve them with refreshments but to be there to show love and kindness to the community and just to
0: do whatever we can really to help those that come in Okay, so in terms of your ministry, you're obviously coordinating the coffee shop activity through the week. And really, Judith's up here partly to represent all the volunteers who um, help week by week, faithfully getting alongside people very often that are at the most difficult stages of life and when life's not fitting together. It's the kind of the mess that Abby was talking about earlier. And it is a fantastic uh, outreach, really, of Jesus' hands and feet uh, while we're not here on a Sunday just just for a couple of hours. Okay, Linda, do you want to tell us a little bit about what your faith means to you and how you have managed to establish a relatively new ministry? Okay, right, yeah, well,
3: those two songs we sang and earlier on says it all, my faith means everything. Um, my baptismal hymn was in Christ alone. And, um, yeah, it, it means everything. It was like, um, with my faith, it was like... a I'd had an absolutely wonderful life, as, as I said in my, my um, testimony. Um, everything was great. didn't think anything was missing. But when I came to faith, it was like a massive light came on in my life. It was, you know, a bit like you've got a torch and it's lovely and it's nice, but then you get one of them 10,000 candle things and bang, and it comes. And it was just absolutely incredible. It was like, wow, what is this? How come this has been missing for so long? And and it has, it's impacted. I mean, at that time, I didn't know an awful lot about it, but I knew something absolutely wonderful had happened, and I really wanted to incorporate that into, well, it did. It shone into everything that I did, um, small steps at first, um, but then gradually increased. So, um, and knowing that you're a child of God and God loves you, and knowing that amazing um, love that you have, and what God wants for us, and His purpose for us, and all the things that He has for us, what we can have in store, and that hope. You want it so much for everyone. And my son, Stephen, started coming to church with me, um, but some of the things were sort of going over him a little bit. And I remember thinking, well, you know, Jesus loves He's just as much, and He's got so much to offer. And there are lots of people, you know, that have got so much to offer. So I looked at um, you know, how I could um, make it easy for him. And that's how Come Lighthouse started, because I spoke to Steve about it. And Steve went, oh, go and do it. And it was like... <laughs> but without God, I mean, I couldn't have done that. Without God, without God in my life supporting me. And, you know, we can do nothing without his support. And And he was there all along. And the amazing church, and we talked about the amazing church family. And when you come to faith... It's all of that in there that helps you through all the difficulties that you have and and things. So having those there to support you. And that's how Lighthouse Ministrians, now we're spreading that word into them. And it's great seeing them coming and knowing a little bit more.
0: Thank you so much. And we're going to have a special service uh, later in the year that actually focuses on on some of our learning differences and you'll get to meet more of our Lighthouse family. But it really truly is a privilege and a joy to see those friends really, that part of our church grow in faith and express that with such fun and such joy. But it really is real to them when we see them uh, month by month. So that is just amazing how just with open hands and willing to learn, you know, God has really grown and developed and used both the coffee shop ministry and the Lighthouse house ministry alongside all of our other ministries that we're not talking about today really just to proclaim more of his amazing love so thank you very much um you can sit down if you want i'm nearly done you'll be glad We also just want to remember Jackie Griffiths, who's our Elam missionary based in Blantyre in Malawi. And Jackie is doing an amazing job encouraging church growth and development work in Malawi, which I know we are aware is the poorest country in the world. Another one of the stories that I really like in, in, the, in the Bible is the story of the widow who gave the two mites. And there were the Pharisees watching to see what everybody was giving. And they were thinking, oh, we're so good. We're in the temple. We're serving. We're dressed up. They had a kind of a lack of humility and an attitude problem, as we know. And Jesus drew to their attention that the widow, a woman who was the least in the society of the time, gave all that she had. She gave generously all that she could. And I just thank God for a church full of people who just are so open to learn and work together and all of you, so many of you, give what you can week by week in so many different ways. And you know, Martin was reminding us as he spoke to us last week that we're really all like missionaries, aren't we? Most of us don't go to Malawi or far across the world, but we're here But we're here as disciples of Jesus Christ, skillfully disguised in the coffee shop as a helper, as a school teacher, as a young person in school or college. We all have a part to play. And God loves each and every one of us. And as he sees our effort, and we don't need to compare that to what the person next to us can do, but he looks down with an amazing smile, just the way he did the widow the two mites that day long ago brenda please come and can we just um, close our eyes and we'll just pray and commit brenda to god as our service continues
4: good morning everybody you all okay lovely to see you all how amazing is it that we are part of a church family that celebrates all of the women in it Um, It has been so amazing this morning hearing just a few of the stories of some of the incredible women that we have in our church. But as I look out, I'm so aware that every single person in this room has their own story that is unique to them. And I think it's incredible that we are part of such a wonderful church family. And um, stories matter. I love a good story and I remember as a child my dad reading me bedtime stories. I particularly used to love the story of uh, Br'er Rabbit which was amazing. But my favourite stories were the ones that my dad would make up. Usually something about the zebra who lost his stripes or the monkey who lost his tail and all the other animals in the forest would club together to help this poor animal in need. Um, And I used to just love stories. And much to Brad's despair, I also like telling stories about my day. And usually, Brad will ask, what did you have for lunch today? And 10 minutes later, I'll still be going on about what type of bread it was and where I was sitting when I ate it and who I was with and what conversations we had. And usually, after my 10-minute ramble, Brad will go, "Okay, so you had a cheese sandwich. That was really all you needed to say. (laughs) But what I love about stories is that they have a unique way of capturing our imaginations of impacting our minds and and storing themselves in us in a way that other things can't really do. And the Bible is full of stories, of actual accounts of people's lives, but also stories made up to illustrate a point. And this morning, I want to focus particularly on one story that is found in John chapter 4. So if you would like to turn to John chapter 4, you can do that. Um, It is a story that many of you will be familiar with, the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. It was high noon on a hot day, and Jesus, tired from travelling, found a place to stop and rest. He sat next to a well, and while he was sitting there, his disciples went into the local town to find food. It was then that a woman appeared, carrying a clay jar to draw water. It's really unusual for a woman to be collecting water at this time of day. The passage tells us that she was at the well at the sixth hour, which would have been the middle of the day, It would have been high noon and probably the hottest part of the day. And most people at this time would be at home resting. Also, most women would either come early in the morning or late in the evening to collect water. Drawing water was the social high point of many's days, where they would sit and chat and catch up about their day. And yet this woman was coming at a time when no one else would be there. We later find out the reason for this. This woman had been through a string of broken relationships, married five times and currently living unmarried with her sixth man. She desperately desired to find love but instead received rejection. People judged her for this and they saw her as being immoral. The judgment of those in her community was so great that it caused her to isolate herself. It really breaks my heart to think of how she must have felt. The woman was also a Samaritan woman which was a group of people that were part Jew and part Gentile but greatly disliked by both. The woman had not only experienced rejection from her relationships, but also from her friendships and her community. Jesus approached the woman and made a simple request. Will you give me a drink? Now, there are a number of problems with this simple request. One, Jesus was a Jew and Jews weren't meant to be speaking with Samaritans. Secondly, men weren't permitted to address a woman without her husband present. And thirdly, rabbis had no business speaking to immoral ladies such as this one. But Jesus, in classic Jesus style, goes to a person that nobody else sees as being good enough and shows them a different story. Jesus was willing to toss out the rules and show this woman that she was important. She wasn't quite so sure of this. And so she says to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. She reminded him, how can you ask me for a drink? She focused on the law, but Jesus focused on grace. Jesus already knew everything about her. He knew the things that she felt ashamed of, the things that caused her to isolate herself from others. And maybe this is what drew him to her. But through the conversation, Jesus reveals to her who he is. And at the end, he says, I, the one you're speaking of, I am he. He tells her who he is. And that's where the story of their encounter ends. But it isn't the end of the story. And so if we pick back up in verse 39, it says, Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days, and because of his words, many more became believers. To this point, the Samaritans woman's life had been a series of constant rejection. And when no one, not even herself, could see anything of value in her, Jesus sees potential, and he uses her to become an evangelist an impact those around her. She didn't do a fancy sermon or provide a series of engaging activities. She didn't run an alpha course or lead an incredible time of worship. All she did was tell her story. And because of that, many people became believers. The Samaritan woman's story is just one of many stories in the Bible of ways that God uses someone's circumstances to impact the world. And in our church, it's amazing that we have so many ministries that are powered by the stories of those serving in them. Judith, who came to faith through an alpha course in the coffee shop, is now serving God in so many different ways. One of which is through our incredible coffee shop ministry. Linda, who for many years supported her son with additional needs, is now leading Lighthouse Ministry, which is making God accessible and real to those who have additional needs. Bev came to faith as a child and set up the incredibly successful children's ministry that we have in our church today. And all these years on, she is still passionate about reaching children for God. Amy came along to our church as a teenager and became a Christian at that young age. And now she is committed to serving the teenagers in our community. Amazing. Diane spent many years working in care homes and cared for her nan when she was 21. And now she runs the primetime ministry because she's just got that love and that care for the elderly. I was a shy, timid child but God changed my life when I was young and now I'm able to serve the children in our community as well. And I know that there are so many others here whose life stories affect the way that they serve God. It's amazing that we can allow God to use us in so many different ways, sometimes through church ministries, yes, but also in how you are as a spouse, as a friend, as a colleague, as just someone doing your shopping in Aldi. The way you live your life can make a difference in the world around you. And God can use your story to make a difference. But sometimes there are things that hold us back. Sometimes there are things that are are blockers that make it scary for us to step out in faith or, or to do something for God that we've maybe not done before. And so I've put together a few potential blockers that might be things that hold you back From reaching your full potential and so if you have a pen and paper on you and you want to get that out you can or you can make notes on your phone or whatever Um, but I'm just going to go through um, five things that could be potential blockers and and what I'd like you to do is to I think I've been forgetting to click Um, yeah what I'd like you to do is have a think about these blockers and if it's something that affects you how much Does it affect you in your day-to-day life? And so the first one is being disconnected. There we go. Sometimes the main reason that we struggle to do stuff for God is that we aren't connecting with God. It might be that we just aren't spending enough time with God, and so he's become distant and unfamiliar to us. And so if this is you, I wonder where would you rank yourself on that scale? Are you a smiley emoji or a sad emoji? If you are in this place, I would like to challenge you to make a decision to change this. How this looks is different for everyone. How we connect with God is different because we are all so different. For some people, waking up an hour earlier and spending some time praying or reading our Bible is the best way to connect with God. That's not true for me because I'm really not a morning person. But for others, it's being out in nature, going for a long walk or listening to worship music and just spending some time with God doing that. It might be that you like listening to a podcast or going for a walk or run, or maybe the way that you connect with God is when you're with other people and just talking about God and what he means for you. And so I'd just like to challenge you to think about how you might best connect with God and make sure that you are making that time to connect with him. We can't live for God if we don't connect with God. And God wants to use you and your story to make a difference in the world, but how will that happen if you never spend time with Him? The second thing that can be a blocker for us is time. We live in a world where people constantly seem to be busy. I feel like so many conversations that I have with people end up just being us listing all the things that we've done this week and all the things we have to do next week. Things just seem so fast-paced and it feels like sometimes we just don't get a chance to stop and breathe and catch up with ourselves. And so the idea of doing anything more just feels too overwhelming and so it's easier to just say, no, I can't do that. And so I wonder where you would rank yourself here. How much is time a blocker for you in reaching out to people for God? Maybe you find yourself saying things like, when the kids start school, or maybe if I get a promotion, then I'll be able to have more time, or when I feel a little bit better in myself, that's when I'll step up and I'll do something for God. If you give God your heart, then he will give you the capacity. And so I would like to challenge you to think about the things in your life that take up your time. It might be work or family life, hobbies or church ministry or scrolling through social media or watching TV or playing games. All of these things are good and there's absolutely nothing wrong with any of them. But sometimes the amount of time that we give to those things is not right. And so... I just wonder whether we're always getting the balance right. Are the things that need our time or that are demanding our time the things that we give all our time to, rather than giving our time to the things that actually God wants us to be giving our time to? This will be personal to everyone here. And it may be that for you, you need to start freeing up more time to spend with your family so that you can better show God's love to them. It may be that you need to free up time so you can start up a new ministry. That's exciting. Whatever it looks like for you, how can you be better at distributing your time so that God can use you? The third blocker is doubt. How many of you allow self-doubt to hold you back? Maybe you are someone who says, God couldn't use me because of my past. Or my story's a bit boring, or I'm too young, no one will take me seriously, or maybe I'm too old, what could God do with me now? You may feel that you don't have enough theological knowledge, or you're not extrovert enough, or not creative enough, or whatever you might think equips you to serve God. Where would you put yourself on this scale, allowing doubt to be a blocker for you? If this is you, Then firstly, God doesn't make mistakes, and he didn't make a mistake when he made you. You are bursting with potential, whether you see it or not. The woman in the well, not in the well, at the well, (laughs) she wasn't in the well. (laughs) The woman at the well (laughs) probably was full of shame and self-doubt, and yet God used her story in an incredible way. When rabbis chose their followers, they would pick the best of the best, And Jesus chose 12 people who definitely would have been picked last for any team. He had Peter, who every time he opened his mouth, he said something stupid. Simon was a zealot, which is basically a terrorist. Matthew was a tax collector. Thomas was a pessimist. John and his brother James were called sons of thunder because they had such bad tempers. And yet Jesus chose these people to impact the world. Secondly, you are never too old to be used by God. With age comes wisdom and life experience and stability. And for young people like me, not sure if I really class as young anymore, youngish people like me, um, having older people around you to encourage you and build you up and provide wisdom and be a soundboard, is just incredible. And, And God does amazing things with the oldies in our church. We need young people in kids ministry, but we also need grandparents in children's ministry and in all ministries. And equally, you're never too young to be used by God. With young people comes energy and fresh ideas and new ways of looking at things, limitless potential. And God can absolutely use young people. I've lost count of the number of times that a child has come along and challenged me in my faith, on my journey. In fact, this morning I told Amelie that I was going to be preaching, and she gave me some great advice. She said, don't speak too fast or people won't hear what you're saying. And if you get nervous, just turn around and look at the back, count to five, and then turn back. <laughs> she also told me that I should tell everyone I've got a cool butt box. LAUGHTER <So. laughs> But God uses children. He uses young people. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in faith, in life, in love and in purity. God doesn't always call the equipped, but he always equips the called. And so you don't need to have it all together to be used by God. Few our circumstances don't disqualify us or, or hold us back. They set us apart and God can 100% use you. You just need to let him and trust that he is calling you to do something that only you could do. The fourth blocker is comparison. How many of you are guilty of this? How many of you compare yourselves to others and think they could do it better because they have some skill that you don't or they do something better than you could? I heard a quote recently that said, compare yourself with who you were yesterday, not with who someone else is today. It's easy for us to measure our success based on the success of others, but actually we should only be comparing ourselves with our own journey and seeing how far we've come. Your story is unique to you and so God can use you in a way that he couldn't use anybody else. Don't be the next them, be the first you. And my final blocker is people. Sometimes the biggest thing holding us back from allowing God to use us is the people that we're journeying with. And this is sometimes quite a difficult thing for us to address. And so I wonder, the people that you have in your life, are they people that are holding you back or are they people that are pushing you forward? How much of a blocker is this for you? A pastor called Craig greshell said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I think there's some truth in that. The people in our life can either make us or break us. And so are the people that you have in your life people who are no good for you? people who hold you back or put you down or speak negatively into your life? Are they people that after you've spent time with, you just come away feeling completely drained? I'm not saying that we necessarily need to cut these people out, although sometimes that is necessary. It's normal for us to have people in our lives who need us or who take from us, and and that's okay. Okay. Um, But if we're only giving out and giving out and giving out, eventually we'll be empty. We need to make sure that we have room in our lives for people who encourage us and who build us up. People who challenge us and spur us on and push us forward. And so I wonder, are the people in your life a blocker for you? And so my hope is that today you will feel a little bit encouraged to allow God to use the circumstances of your life to change the world. And I hope that maybe you'll have been able to identify some things that could potentially be holding you back from reaching your full potential in God. And so we're going to move into a time of worship now. And during this time, I I just want you to reflect on your story What is it that's brought you to the point that you are at today? And how is it that God might be able to use your story to impact the people around you? And I'd also like you to think then, what are the things that might be holding you back? What are the potential things that are blocking you from doing that? And I'd just like to challenge you to try and address some of those things, rather than letting them block us any longer. Whatever your story is, God can use the circumstances of your life to change the world. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that each and every person in this room is unique and individual, and that their story is unique to them. And God, I thank you for the way that you have always used people's circumstances to change the world. And so today, as we reflect on our own stories and and the things that might be holding us back, God, I just pray that we will be leaning on you and that we will be drawing close to you for guidance on how to move forward. Amen.